Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Beautiful is your name. Righteous is your name. In your name is provision. In your name is every character of your goodness, your kindness, your mercy, your faithfulness, your beauty. God, you are so good. And Lord, today we want to behold your goodness. We want to behold your glory. We want to know uh, about you, but even more importantly, we want to know you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you are with us. Thank you, Jesus. Holy, holy, holy is your name. Amen. Isn't he good? I have a few things that, that I want to cover today. And, um, you know, the amazing thing about the kingdom, the king and his kingdom, is that the, when we look at the word, when we hear the testimony of Jesus Christ, which is the spirit of prophecy, not only is it informational, but it's also transformational. The kingdom of heaven is not a matter of mere words. In fact, the word it says that it's not just eating and drinking, but it's the power of God. We don't just believe in a set of, of rules. We believe in a living God. And more importantly, amazingly, what's transformational is he actually believes in us. Because if he didn't, we wouldn't exist. And so when we turn to this living God, it's not so that we can learn a set of rules and have a sense of control over other people so that we can remind them to live by them so we can feel more safe. But rather, we have an encounter with a living God in whom all things live and move and have their being. And we align ourselves with the reality of who He is. And then no matter what, we know that He works in all things for the good of those that love Him. And so we're transformed in this life. And the key component of this transformation is that we actually love. First Corinthians 13 says that love does not keep a record of wrongs. It is not easily offended. It is not proud and puffed up. And it goes on to say that love never fails. And this love that, that the apostle writes of in 1 Corinthians 13, he's speaking of the character of God. And he says he hopes all things, he believes all things. When God looks at us and he says to you, my hope for you is that you would be as I designed you, as I created you, just like your daddy, and I'm your daddy. And I believe in you that if you will turn to me, if you will give me your heart and your affection and your life 
And let me dwell in you, because the word says this is the mystery that was kept hidden for ages and generations, and that is this, Christ in you, Christ in me, the hope of glory. And he goes on to say that he wants to show the manifest, multifaceted glory of who he is through the church to all principalities all powers, and every generation. And this is what we're called to. So it's certainly much more than just informational. It's transformational. When Jesus was telling the disciples that if you want to follow me, and at this point he was rather popular, There was a huge crowd, and he said, well, if you want to follow me, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And the people are just going, (laughs) well, that got weird, and they left. (laughs) And all that were left were the 12. And he said to them, are you too going to leave me? And they said back to him, where else would we go You have the words of life. You see, you have more than just information. You're bringing transformation to us. To be near you brings us something that we're not capable of manufacturing on our own. We've known about you in the scriptures, but to be with you is creating something in us that wasn't there before. Where else could we go? You are the word of life. Many of us today have a relationship with the Lord that's dependent upon knowing his rules, trying to live by them, and more importantly, trying to get other people to live by them. And when other people don't, then we spend a good deal of time thinking about and strategizing how we can manipulate them, be it through kind words or stern ones, through withholding or lavishing, but essentially allowing our behavior, letting our behavior try to be the impetus to get them to do what we want them to do so we can be okay. That is not transformational thinking. Jesus said that we would know him, the truth, and the truth would set us free. And in 1 Corinthians 13, he says Here's what my character looks like. The the apostle is writing about love, but who is love? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I am the picture of love. And you know the interesting thing about love, the primary thing you'll notice is that it actually communicates. He didn't say, I am the cold shoulder of the silent treatment of love. (laughs) And if you will figure out what you've done wrong, you will earn the right to talk to me again. How have you not figured this out yet? Enjoy the silence of my shadow until you learn that I am love. And yet some of us have to be like, that's my main relational tool. I'm in trouble. Yes, you are. But it's his kindness that leads to repentance. The word says it's his kindness that leads to repentance. 
While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus said, I didn't come to judge the world, but to save the world. The, the, the followers of Jesus, the disciples at one point, they went into a Samaritan city and the people just didn't really want to hear it. And they said to him, Jesus, can we call down fire on the city? They're excited. Let's flex some spiritual muscle. Let's show them our level of righteousness. Let's bring some fire down on them. And Jesus looks at him and he says, you don't know what spirit you're of. I didn't come to judge the world. I came to save it. The disciples are like, oh, man. You haven't told them that, have you? Because <laughs> we kind of have a bedside manner thing we're already using. We kind of like to stick with it. Jesus came to demonstrate the heart of the Father. Jesus said, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. He said, unless you humble yourself and become like a little child, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. And he who would be the greatest among you must become the least among you. What's he saying? He's saying if you'll just have a little more love and a little more humility, you'll be like me. Because I didn't come to be served so that you could earn the right to be in relationship with me. No, I came to serve so that I could give you the right to be in relationship with me. And I, and I just simply ask that you do the exact same thing. And then you will be like your Father in heaven. And his words are not just information. Some of us are writing notes down. Oh man, I need to write this down and tell my wife. She should have been here today. My husband needs to hear this. I'll, fax, I'll text him. No, you need to strip your religious clothes, your legalistic, judgmental list that you wear like a robe. You need to strip it off. And you need to take a towel that's been purified by the blood of Jesus and cover up your own nakedness with it. And then you need to bend down and wash the feet of your spouse, of your boss, of your neighbor, of your child, of your friend. Because they're not there to serve you. You are there to serve them first. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The word says there is none righteous, not one. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the standard of love that I just talked to you about. Jesus came and died for guilty people so that guilty people could get what Jesus deserved. And yet we stand around and say, yeah, you dodged that bullet. But you're not very repentant. So I don't owe you much more than he does. You had your chance Apparently you missed it. Jesus doesn't seem to be judging, so I'll go ahead and take that job. Remind you what it is you're not doing. Hold you to account for your behavior so you can learn. 
Love hopes all things, and it believes all things, and it does not keep a record of wrongs. It is not proud. It is not easily offended. Jesus said, if your neighbor asks you to go with them a mile, then go with them two miles. If they ask to get your shirt, give them your jacket as well. One of his disciples said, how many times do I have to forgive my neighbor? Seven times? He says, I tell you not seven, but seven times 70. And by the way, as long as it is today, do not harden your heart like the Israelites did in the day of rebellion. So if you look at the fullness of what he's talking about, then he says this. I want you to forgive your neighbor 490 times a day, every day that it's called today. Matthew 6, 19 through 15 says this. Pray then this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. Your name is the standard of holiness. You are righteous in every way. Your kingdom, which looks like you, your kingdom, which looks like 1 Corinthians 13, let your kingdom come. Let those things that look like you, O holy king, come. And let your will be done. I desire not that any should perish, but that all should have everlasting life. Let that kingdom come and be done. And let it be on earth as it is in heaven. Let it be like you in my relationships as it is in heaven. Give me the grace and the love and the glory that's in your heart, demonstrated through Jesus Christ, demonstrated through the death and resurrection, so that none should perish, so that we have the right and the ability and the responsibility to forgive. Let that be done in every part of our lives on earth as it is in heaven. And by the way, give us this day our daily bread. Pay our bills. Give us strength to work. Give us the things that we need because you care about those things. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Lord, in light of everything that you've done, in light of everything that you've done, in light of the punishment that you took, the adulterer, Well, his price has been paid because Jesus was stripped naked and whipped 39 lashes. It's 39, right? Because one more would kill you. They don't want him to die. They want him to be punished. You cheated on your wife with another woman. You will pay for this sin. You will not be denied the punishment I deserve. 
You stole money, time, honor. And the innocent one takes the punishment of the guilty ones. And so he says, and lead us not into temptation, that I would take out my list. You failed me. You failed me. You failed me. And I've written it down upon my heart. And when I look at you, I see the list. Because I do keep a record of wrongs, mine and yours, so that we can learn to never hurt each other again. Because those are my rules. And I will protect myself from you, and I will also protect everyone else from you because I've told them about your record of wrongs, lest they get near you. Lead me away from that temptation, Lord. Lead me away from that. And deliver me from evil, God, because I'm asking for people to pay for sins that I can't afford to pay for and that they can't afford to pay for and you've already paid for. But I'm praying that they'll learn because I don't believe it's your kindness that leads to repentance. I believe my judgment will lead them to repentance. I believe that my harsh, stinking bedside manner will do it and my coldness and my separation and my righteous indignation. And God bless me for being so patient thus far, but now it's tough love. That's what they're getting. Is it? Is that what they're getting? For yours is the kingdom, God, and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And he continues, for if you forgive others, lest you think we're just talking about car debts, no, if you forgive others for their transgressions, I'm not saying they're not transgressions, they are transgressions. You have been done wrong. You've been hurt. You've been lied to. You've been wounded. In the same places again and again and again. And you, like Peter, have said, Lord, how many times do I forgive this? And he says, 490 times a day, every day for the rest of your life. And if you will do this, then your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Because Jesus already took your punishment. There is none left for anyone. It's your kindness that leads to repentance, Lord. Holy Spirit, would you come and grant us that gift, the gift of your kindness. Lord, you don't bring shame. You bring kindness. You don't bring condemnation. You bring conviction in our hearts. You give us the glory of being. When we say, Lord, 
make them repent, then you come and give us the glory of hearing you say, you first. My Father in heaven, forgive me, for I have sinned against heaven in your sight, and I have sinned against this body, and I have sinned against my family. I've sinned against my tribe, and I've sinned against my city. I've asked you, Lord, to bring judgment upon others when there is no judgment, because, Jesus, you've been judged. Forgive me, Father. I have become your judge, and I have said that your goodness and your glory and your kingdom and your kindness is not enough. I need to add punishment in order to bring righteousness about in others, Lord. Forgive me, God. Forgive me. Oh, but that your kindness would come down. That your kindness would rise up within me. That I would remember that the whip has never touched my back because your flesh was torn from your body. That I would receive kindness when you received hate. I would receive pardon when you received justice. But Lord, these things don't exist in me, Lord, unless you give them to me. Unless you give me a revelation of your love, Lord, I can't manufacture this. Even when I think about this, Lord, it's like a story about someone else. And I can so quickly, even now, be thinking about, yes, that other person should be getting a revelation. Yes, Lord, give them that revelation. Yes, they need that, Jesus. Even now, that they would repent, yes. So what will I do, Lord, with this wretched soul? I'm born again, I'm a new creation, but Lord, there's this part of me that is so in need of transformation. So I think about your word, Lord. It says, it was you that will complete the good work that you began in me. So I am born again, I am a new creation. Thank you, Jesus. Well then, sanctify me, Lord. Because my mind is having a hard time understanding how to think as a righteous son of God. I'm still thinking like a self-righteous orphan. So although I'm seated in heavenly places and justified by your blood and the things that I do not deserve, and I stand in a place that I only stand in because of you, my thinking is still a lot like the legalist orphan that was trying to earn his way into this room and into this place where I sit. Father, I need you to do something about this. Come to think of it, Father, I never got myself here in the first place. You did all of this while I was yet sinning and honestly liking it. I didn't like what it created, but I, I honestly enjoyed it greatly. But while I was yet sinning and liking it, you died for me and took the punishment, and I never even got the punishment. There was some bitter tastes, but I never actually experienced the fullness of what was coming. You, you intervened. And so I didn't even really learn to repent because of the full judgment of what I did. You cut in, and so sometimes it's hard for me to understand because I feel like, I feel like if you would have punished me more, then maybe I would understand this more. 
You said you've given us the mind of Christ. You said in your word, you've given us the mind of Christ. You said salvation is a gift that was given freely by you, not because you didn't purchase it, but because you purchased it. Okay, so I have things I don't deserve. I'm in a place I could never have achieved or arrived at on my own. You've done everything. I've simply believed that you're good. Why don't I believe other people can get good? Why don't I believe that you can do this with other people? What's stopping me? What's stopping me? Do I believe that I'm actually with you? Am I... Lord, do I believe that I'm with you? Do I believe that I'm there? <gasps> I believe my behavior is keeping me there. I would say a swear word right now, but I'm in church. Oh, God. I'm afraid that if I don't stay good enough, oh, I accepted the gift to get here, but I think if I don't continue to perform, you're going to boot me out of here. Mm. So that means I believe everybody else should act right or they're going to get kicked out too. And then it's easy for me to police them instead of think about the fact that that's a really scary idea that I might get booted out. And of course, I am a lot better than a lot of other people granted, or at least further along. I mean, they're just, you know, growing, children, sheep. But you began the good work in me. You died before I knew about you. You said, this is righteousness that I simply believe in you. So if you're asking me to forgive other people for things they're not even repenting of, the only way that's going to be possible is if you give me more. That's it. That's it. I need more. I started with nothing, you gave me something. The something got me started, but I thought I had to work to keep it. Now that I realize I can't possibly work to keep it since you gave it to me anyway, the only logical thing is that I must need more. I need you to give me more. I need you to give me more of your spirit. I need you to give me more of your love. I need you to make me more like Jesus. Not so that you'll love me, you already love me but so that I will love other people. How are you planning on doing that? That's good. How did we start in the first place? How did we start in the first place? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They're weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. 
Yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. Let's start there. Let's go to Sunday school. This is eternal life, you said. That you would know me. Let's stand. Father, all of our best efforts, although you appreciate them, will never reconcile us to you. Father, all of our really good disciplines, although they're important, have no power to cause us to be safely in your hands. You're the one that's holding us. We're not the one that's holding you. Father, we're not really that great at following you, but you are really, really good at dwelling in us and bringing us into more connection and more of your kingdom. And Father, we quit. We quit. We quit our religion. All of our little <laughs> apathetic or super zealous or really disciplined or really sloppy religions. But we don't quit you. And our prayer right now is that we would know you. Lord, we need more of you. We need the transformational power, Christ in us, the hope of glory. We need the manifold wisdom of God poured out by your Holy Spirit. Lord, we don't need more information alone. We need the spirit of your holy self in us to complete the good work that you began. Because we have found ourselves at our limits to live this life you've called us to. And so our honor and desire is that you would simply give us more of your spirit, more of your heart, more of your love, more of you. And then, God, may it be true that living streams of water would flow out of us because of you. We're going to take communion together. And, uh, and, and um, I would like the worship team to come up, um, save some communion for them when they're done serving us. But come on up, worship team. And here's what we're going to do. Well, I can't tell you what we're going to do, but here's what I'd like to suggest that we do. First of all, how many of you here can hear this message?
Praise God. We need to do, we need to, we need to encounter the Lord by ourselves for a little bit here. And as the team, just do whatever the Lord leads you to do. I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to search your heart. And I want you to set free everyone who's imprisoned in your heart right now. And you're one of those people that needs to be set free. So whether you're the first one you set free or you're the last, that's between you and the Spirit of God. But I need you to cleanse yourself with Jesus' help. I don't I, but I, I sense we need to. I'm getting in on this too, by the way. I'm just getting jumbled up here because we went from, anyway. We need to let the Lord set us free from our religions. They're all Christian religions. They're all nice and squeaky. But they need to go. And what we need is more of the Lord so that we can fulfill the true religion that Jesus Christ actually did write down. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to take some time, just take a few moments, and you'll know when you're done, but then you're going to go, and there's, there's tables set up, but, but don't rush. Don't rush. When you've been set free from your religion and from those that have been imprisoned in your heart through what they owe you and what they must do in order for you to be free, you, you hear what I'm saying here, then go and worship the one who took yours and theirs punishment. And let the Lord heal your body. Some of you are literally physically, emotionally sick because of the unforgiveness that, that you've allowed in your life. And when you do that, it's not that God sends Satan to make you sick. It's that Satan has a legal right to make you sick when you try to make people pay for things that God already paid for. It actually opens up the door and he has a legal right to judge you at whatever measure you're judging your neighbor. And God does not want that for you, but I'm telling you, he has a legal right to you when you walk in unforgiveness because your father will not forgive you when you don't forgive someone else. You guys get this, right? All right, so I feel like we are clear on what we're gonna do in the next little bit. We're gonna reflect. We're gonna get rid of our religions. The Holy Spirit's gonna bring them to mind. We're gonna set people free that we've been carrying prisoner in relationships and in our heart. And then we're gonna go and partake of the greatest love that's ever been given, the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And then when you're done, if you need to speak to anyone, the prayer team's gonna come up, prayer for you and your body, healing, etc. I'm gonna be in the back. I'd love to talk with you if you'd like to. But I want you to just quietly just go out into the world and love your God and love your neighbor. Holy Spirit, will you come now? You're already here, but in our three-dimensional world, will you come <laughs> and work in us the will of the Father by the blood of the Lamb and by your own self, Holy Spirit, the will of God.